Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. The sermon text for this morning's meditation is our gospel lesson from Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. To bring us back into the text, I'd like to read just the first verse and a half for you once again. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Lord, these are your words, and therefore they are your truth. We ask that you'd increase our faith through them. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed, what is temptation? Or what is something that is tempting? Quite often, many people refer to certain types of food as maybe being tempting, or maybe certain types of women as being temptresses. The way our culture views temptation is not something that is really harmful to you, but something that is maybe a little bit spicy, a little bit alluring, a little bit sexy, a little bit enticing, a little bit fun, but not really all that bad. But for us as Christians, we know what temptation is. Temptation is ultimately leading us away from God, leading us to sin and down that path to hell. For us as Christians, we know that temptation isn't mere child's play, but it is war. It is a real struggle for us in our daily lives, a struggle against temptation. Paul describes this struggle in Ephesians chapter 6 when he says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world rulers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil, in the heavenly places. He says that this war is fought not against flesh and blood, but it's fought against spiritual forces of evil, headed up, of course, by the devil himself. Today in our lesson, we see that Jesus goes to fight for us, doesn't he? As he goes forth to war, to face the devil, and to win. Our text takes place soon after Jesus' anointing by the Holy Spirit at the Jordan River. Right after he is baptized there, he's led by that same Spirit into the wilderness. And this is no chance encounter, but very intentional, as the Spirit guides him out there to be tempted by the devil. And he's out there for 40 days without food. Certainly the devil must have tempted him on many occasions, not all recorded in the Scriptures for us. But we have three of those temptations recorded in our lesson for today. The first temptation was this. As the devil came to Jesus and he knew how hungry he must feel, how weak his body was, he tempts him by saying, turn these stones into bread. Now, what seems so wrong about doing that? After all, he even says Jesus is the Son of God. What's so wrong about him using his power to simply make some bread right before him? Understand what the devil is trying to do. To get Jesus not to trust his heavenly Father, but rather to place his trust in himself. To doubt the Father's providence that God would actually take care of him just as he has promised. The devil tempts us in a similar way, too tempts us to think that God doesn't care about us, that God doesn't love us, that God will not provide for us. He tempts us to worry so much in our own lives and to say, well, I guess I have to just do it myself rather than trusting God. But how does Jesus 
face this temptation from the devil. He faces him as he battles him with what is known as the sword of the Spirit, the very word of God. As Jesus tells him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. As he shows the devil that we are to place our trust not in ourselves or in bread, but in God, the giver of bread. So the devil's not done with him, though he continues to tempt Jesus in another way as he brings him up onto a high mountain and he shows him the kingdoms of the world and he says to him, I will give you all this power and the glory of these kingdoms because it has been entrusted to me and I can give it to anyone I want. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. The devil really entices Jesus with a lie, doesn't he? The devil claims that all of that is his, all the kingdoms of the world. But really, we know who that all, all of that belongs to. It's really God who possesses all things, the creator of heaven and earth. Yet the devil tries to convince Jesus with this lie, I can give it all to you. For ourselves, maybe the devil doesn't come to us so blatantly telling us to bow down and worship him, but he does entice us to maybe seek after those things of this world, to seek after material possessions, power or fame and those sorts of things, and, and tries to convince us that that's what life is all about. As Jesus says in Mark 8, after all, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Jesus reveals it's a fool's game to chase after all of those things rather than to seek God and his word. We might wonder, is this temptation really that alluring for Jesus himself to bow down to Satan? Jesus, who is the Son of God? Well, think of what Satan was offering him. Satan was offering Jesus exactly what he came to earth for. Offering all the people of the world, all the kingdoms of the world. Jesus had come to this world in order to redeem, to buy back mankind for himself. And now Satan was offering it to him. All of this can be yours without suffering, without a cross. If you only bow down to worship me. But again, Jesus is strong in battle as he pulls out that sword of the spirit once again. As he speaks to the devil, it is written. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil's not done with him. Again, we hear how the devil brings Jesus up to the pinnacle of the temple, a very high point. And he tempts Jesus by saying, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. This is kind of an interesting strategy of the devil. The devil's been paying attention to Jesus, how Jesus has been combating him with these other temptations, how Jesus has been using the word of God against the devil. And right after he tempts Jesus, telling him to throw himself down from here, the devil himself decides he's going to use the word of God. In fact, it comes out of the devil's mouth, then those same words, it is written. He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and they will lift you up with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. We see that the devil here is misquoting Scripture, Psalm 91. He's using it as an encouragement to Jesus to test God, to live dangerously. 
rather than what it actually is. A comfort for us that God is watching over us in all our ways throughout our entire life. The devil tempts us today even in testing God. Quite often it's maybe not quite in that form of living dangerously, but maybe it comes in other forms. The devil tempts us to test God concerning his promises. If God really cared about you, he wouldn't have allowed you to get sick, or he wouldn't have allowed your loved one to die, or he wouldn't have allowed this terrible thing to happen to you. And the devil tries to convince us that we should test God. Well, God, if you are powerful, if you are the one true God, then heal me. Then care for me. Then provide for me. And if you don't, if you don't do exactly what I think, God, well, then I'm out. And I'm going to find someone else to believe in and trust in. We see Jesus once again quoting from the word of God. You shall not test the Lord your God. Jesus corrects the devil's misinterpretation with a clear passage of Scripture that we are not to test God. Rather, simply trust that God is good, that God will provide. Now, it's important to understand that in all of these temptations, Jesus doesn't merely do this for some sort of training purpose. But this is an actual battle, an actual war with the devil. Yes, the great World War II general, Douglas MacArthur, is quoted as saying, it is fatal to enter any war without the will to win. Now, Jesus went into battle with the devil, and that's exactly what it was, a battle, a war to win, to conquer him. We might ask ourselves, though, was it really that challenging for Jesus, though, after all, isn't he the Son of God? Couldn't he simply have commanded the devil to go to the other side of the globe and not to bother him anymore? Certainly, he has the power to do that sort of thing, doesn't he? But it was necessary that Jesus be tempted. It was necessary for him to enter into battle with the devil, even in this way. We think how the devil had confronted Adam and Eve in the garden, and how they had lost that battle, hadn't they? Yet Jesus also needed to take on that same foe to be tempted as they. We hear in Hebrews chapter 2, it says this, For this reason he had to become like his brothers in every way, in order that he would be a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God, so that he could pay for the sins of the people, Indeed, because he suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. It says there that Jesus had to become like his brothers in every way, so that he could pay for the sins of the people. He had to become like one of us. He had to face temptations, the temptations of the devil. He had to live under God's law, his requirement that he has given to all mankind to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, and yet we know how often we have failed. But Jesus enters into battle with the devil. He faces that temptation that he might stand firm against him. It's interesting to think in this battle between the devil and Jesus, what does it take for the devil to win? The devil only has to get Jesus to slip up at one small point, right? Just one small mistake, one small error, one sin, that's all the devil needs, 
in order for Jesus to fail, for him to lose the battle and to lose the war. But for Jesus to win, what does he need to do? He needs to run the tables, doesn't he? He needs to win every battle, every temptation that the devil might offer him. And not just 40 days in the wilderness, but throughout his entire 33 years of life here on this earth, not once slipping up, not once making a mistake, but living perfectly, facing the devil at every turn, and yet coming out victorious. And this too, the writer of the Hebrews tells us Jesus has done. As he says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. What a comfort that is for us, isn't it? That Jesus also faced similar temptations to what we have faced. He's been tempted in every way that we have been tempted, yet he was without sin. He has been perfect in your place, that he might bring that perfect and holy life to the cross for us, to offer to God that perfect and acceptable sacrifice to him of that holy life for us, so that we can know that Christ has won the victory against the devil as he was tempted, but also the victory at the cross of Calvary. The story is told of a town that was under siege by enemy forces. And the townspeople were very worried what would happen when they finally ran out of food, and the enemy then began to break down the gates and come and attack them. Well, as they sat there behind those walls in worry for days upon days, all of a sudden, one night, there was a spy that snuck through the enemy lines. And he was one of their own countrymen. And they wondered why he would do that. Why would he place himself in that harm's way as the enemy would never let him leave, never let him go, of course. But he explains why he came. Why he came, why he entered into that city. It was to encourage the people there. He wanted to bring to them this news that their side had already won in a much larger battle that had taken place hundreds of miles away. Their side had already won the war and he wanted to tell them it was just a matter of time for that announcement to be brought to those soldiers outside their own city walls. And so he wanted to encourage them to stay strong, to continue the fight, don't give up. Because soon that message will be brought to them and they will put down their arms and they will turn and run because the war has already been won. What a great picture for us of what Christ has done. Yes, as we look at our daily struggles with sin and temptation, it seems that the devil almost is winning at, at every turn. That he has the upper hand. But God wants us to know today that the war has already been won in Christ. It has been won by him who has faced off against the devil in the wilderness and has gone to the cross for us. Yes, the victory is ours through Jesus Christ. And so he encourages us today to stay strong in those daily battles as we continue to face the devil and his temptations. Yes, there are times when we will fail, when we will fall into sin. But take courage, for Christ has overcome. Christ has the victory. This temptation is no small matter. We know as Christians how serious it is because the devil desires through it to lead us to sin and away from our Savior, Jesus. Take courage. 
Take courage in the fight, even in your own life, knowing that the victory has been won for you in Christ, who is coming soon. Amen. Invite the congregation to please rise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, forevermore.